0: You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Strong Towns Podcast. We are veering away from our typical format and schedule to bring you a series of short interviews with Strongtown's contributors. Who wrote for our new book, Thoughts on Building Strong Towns, Volume 2. That's right. We just released a new book and you can purchase it in ebook or paperback format on Amazon. Just visit strongtowns.org slash publications to find the book and purchase. And the proceeds of each purchase go directly towards supporting the Strong Towns movement. So we hope you will uh, take a look at that. And our members should have received a link to a free copy of the ebook version already. So check your emails for that one. Today I have with me Grayson Johnson, uh, who wrote an essay that's included in this new book, and she is a longtime Strong Towns member and contributor. So how's it going, Grayson? Very well. How are you doing? Good. So let's do a little check-in. Um, this essay was written a while back, and I think your life has changed a little bit since then. So uh, I know you got married this summer. Congratulations. How did that Thank go?
1: Thank you. Oh, it was wonderful. It was a really it was a very, um, interesting experience, uh, coming together with family and doing it. Cause it was like a, it was a completely DIY wedding. Um, mm-hmm. and when I say DIY, I mean, my family's across the country. And, uh, so it was very much, uh, their contributions that made this all come together. But, uh, the experience of having to pull something like that, um, yeah, it, it's a great bonding experience, and I wasn't expecting that. And so that kind of taught me a little bit about city building, just in the process of of running an event like that.
0: That's good. And did you get married in your, uh, your current town where you live? No, I got married in my favorite place on
1: earth, which is um, my uncle's farm. Um, it's about a seven kilometer bike ride from where I grew up and we probably spent every weekend there as kids. Um, so it's where the garden is, it's where yeah, the farm is and, uh, yeah, it's just my favorite spot.
0: Nice. And other life changes, um, you are planning to move soon, right? We are actually on, um, we
1: get our U-Haul on Sunday and we're making the cross country trek on Tuesday, um, closer to family. Uh, so that's, that's been a big and very difficult decision. Um, yeah, but that's what's on the docket for us right now.
0: Yeah. Cause I know that you've, you know, you've written in the past a lot about how much you love Fredericton. So <laughs> how, how did you choose to leave that place? Um, oh, it's <laughs> I mean, there's so much
1: that goes into a decision like that. And, um, I want to just be clear that none of it at all has anything to do with not loving Fredericton anymore. Uh, we are very, very sad to be leaving. I think, I mean, and you can't really distill it down to one reason, but I think the overarching theme would would be that at this point in our life, um, uh, we really needed to be closer to my family. Um, Mm -hmm. it wasn't enough to be able to see them once a year. So, especially when you have very young members of the family and very old members of the family, um, just I was getting to see my family maybe once a year whenever I could um, you know reroute a work trip um, through Ontario and uh, Ryan would get to see my family maybe once every other year and wow, uh, so it just wasn't it wasn't enough.
0: You're listening to the Strong Towns podcast. Everyone and welcome to a special edition of the Strong Towns podcast. We are veering away from our typical format and schedule to bring you a series of short interviews with Strong Towns contributors who wrote for our new book, Thoughts on Building Strong Towns, Volume Two. That's right. We just released a new book, and you can purchase it in ebook or paperback format on Amazon. Just visit strongtowns.org/publications to find the book and purchase. And the proceeds of each purchase go directly towards supporting the Strong Towns movement. So, we hope you will uh, take a look at that. And our members should have received a link to a free copy of the ebook version already. So, check your emails for that one. Today I have with me Grayson Johnson, uh, who wrote an essay that's included in this new book, and she is a long-time Strong Towns member and contributor. So how's it going, Grayson? Very well. How are you doing? Good. So let's do a little check-in. Um, this essay was written a while back, and I think your life has changed a little bit since then. So uh, I know you got married this summer. Congratulations. How did that Thank go?
1: Thank you. Oh, it was wonderful. It was a really... It was a very, um, interesting experience, uh, coming together with family and doing it. Cause it was like a, it was a completely DIY wedding. Um, mm-hmm. and when I say DIY, I mean, my family's across the country. And, uh, so it was very much, uh, their contributions that made this all come together. But, uh, the experience of having to pull something like that, um, yeah, it, it, it's a great bonding experience, and I wasn't expecting that. And so that kind of taught me a little bit about city building, just in the process of, of running an event like that.
0: That's good. And did you get married in your, uh, your current town where you live? No, I got
1: married in my favorite place on earth, which is um, my uncle's farm. Um, it's about a seven kilometer bike ride from where I grew up and we probably spent every weekend there as kids. Um, so it's where the garden is, it's where, yeah, the farm is. And, uh, yeah, it's just my favorite spot.
0: Nice. And other life changes, um, you are planning to move soon, right? We are actually
1: on, um, we get our U-Haul on Sunday and we're making the cross country trek on Tuesday, um, Tuesday closer to family. Uh, so that's, that's been a big and very difficult decision. Um, yeah, but that's, what's on the docket for us right now.
0: Yeah. Cause I know that you've, you know, you've written in the past a lot about how much you love Fredericton. So Mm-hmm-hmm. how, how did you choose to leave that place? Um, oh, it's uh...
1: I mean, there's so much that goes into a decision like that. And, um, I want to just be clear that none of it at all has anything to do with not loving Fredericton anymore. Uh, we are very, very sad to be leaving. I think, I mean, and you can't really distill it down to one reason, but I think the overarching theme would would be that at this point in our life, um, uh, we really needed to be closer to my family. Um, Mm -hmm. it wasn't enough to be able to see them once a year. So especially when you have very young members of the family and very old members of the family, um, just, I was getting to see my family maybe once a year, whenever I could, um, you know, reroute a work trip, um, through Ontario and uh, Ryan would get to see my family maybe once every other year. And wow. uh, so it just wasn't, it wasn't enough. And we weren't really even seeing his family very much. Um, even though his family is closer to where we are now. So, um, that became uh, a priority. I mean, I'm incredibly, incredibly lucky to have an extended family that I'm very close with. And it felt like we, uh, uh, we were kind of wasting the opportunity to be part of that. Um, so that's, that's been the overarching thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange thing to to consider though, because it, it's not really a, f- a reflection on Fredericton just as, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. a reflection on our own situation. Um, and we keep on thinking like, Oh, how could we find a way to come back? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, I'm sure that we'll continue to think about that for the rest of our days. Cause we've loved every minute we've, we spent here.
0: So are you going to move to be in the exact same town as family or just like in the area? Uh,
1: that, um, everything within a three hour transit trip, um, was in consideration and, (laughs) um, we actually don't know exactly where we're moving yet, which is probably surprising to people when I tell you we're moving on Tuesday. Um,
0: yeah, where's all your stuff going to go? It's going gonna, it's gonna to probably
1: stay in storage for a little while if we need to. Um, the place that we're, we're most likely going to end up is Kitchener-Waterloo, um, which is about um, two hours from Toronto or an hour and a half from Toronto and um that's uh it's halfway between Toronto and my parents uh i have four brothers and they're all around that area and so um yeah it's it's just important for us to be able to access all of them and and kitchener waterloo or kw as i call it um is a good place for for both of us i think to to land in terms of the size of the city um one of the things yeah, that we learned is it smaller
0: or bigger than uh, fredericton it's about
1: 400,000 um plus some metro area um that I don't know what that would bump the population up to. But one of the things that we learned living in Fredericton, I mean like when we <laughs> we feel like we have been retired for three years. Like <laughs> we just <laughs> it's so nice. Um and it's been such a, an amazing um experience of enough and Um, of what it means to, to be a neighbor and all of that, we've learned so much from Fredericton. And so we're hoping to carry that with us. And we think that's probably more possible for us in a place that's, um, not quite as big, um, simply because in, in the larger cities, you tend to have to pay quite a lot of money to end up in a neighborhood setting. Um, I mean, Toronto is out of control right now. It's just, it's wild. Um, I mean, I love the city. I don't know how anyone affords to live there.
0: Mm -hmm. So, okay. So your essay that's in, uh, our new book is called what the world needs now. And, um, I made the decision to put it near the end of the book because I think it's a really good <laughs> way to close, um, a, you know, a lot of different topics. Um, generally, your piece is about, um, the concept that love will save this place, which I think is a really wonderful concept. And, you know, after people have read some more technical stuff and some heavy stuff about, you know, car crashes and the dangers of that in our cities. Um, I like, I like closing it out with this piece. Do you have any recollection of when you wrote this piece?
1: I do. Um, I, I remember the, I had just finished reading a book recently. Um, and I I quote it in that piece. Um, the, uh, the Naomi Klein book, um, this changes everything. And, um, it, it's talking about climate change and it's talking about kind of the nature of capitalism actually. So I'm sure that the Strong Towns community would have mixed feelings on it. But yeah, mm-hmm. there was this, this part in it um, where um, she was referencing what she calls blockadia. Um, and, and that's all of these people around um, the world, particularly indigenous people that are putting their lives on their line, on the line to protect the places that they have this deep, deep connection to. Um, and that was, that was really profound to me, the power of love. Um, and then I was just reflecting in my own life, um, how much, uh, I've seen the power of love for the people that have made this place wonderful, um, and how it's really motivated not by the things that, um, you would be trying to, you know, the levers that you could pull with economic development policy, but just with the connection to other people and Mm -hmm. with a commitment to a place that you have roots in. Uh, so that's, that's where that was coming from.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that without loving a place, there's Mm -hmm. kind of no reason to do so many of the things that we talk about doing at strong towns to make a place better. Like if you don't care about it, then, um, why invest your time and your energy and your finances in a place? So yeah, I really like that concept. Um, I know that at one point you called your work uh, project for places we love. Is that still a, still, a theme still and a title you use? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. And what have you been working on lately?
1: Well, it just, it goes exactly to your point, Rachel, that, I mean, what is, why do we do things if we don't love a place? And I think... There's also this element, and this is going to get like a little mystical on you here. (laughs) So I can hear some people are probably going to be tuning out at this moment. But I think Mm -hmm. that we really need to heal a connection to the land itself. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know if it was a comment on this piece or if it was on another one. Um, And I think it was Seth, uh, Seth Theron, who is, or Zaren, who comments often on Straw Towns, who had recommended me to this essay called the land ethic by Aldo Leopold. And I ended up reading that and thinking it was beautiful, but yeah, this idea that you need to heal this relationship to a place or like you have to actually care, um, about the land itself and your place mm-hmm. within it, um, in order for anything that you do to have staying power or, or to have a compelling story, um, or to feel like it's, um, enriching to you. Right because so much of what we do in the city building world is just kind of talking on the surface level about like proxies for what actually matters. You know, like we talk about, um, Mm -hmm. employment numbers, or we talk about, um, you know, our growth statistics or we talk about the number of new houses that are built and that sort of thing. Um, when what really matters is are people fulfilling themselves in this place that they feel committed to, um, Mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I still call my work projects for places for love. And I use that as a way, I mean, if people can read that and they can connect with me, then I know that we're on the same wavelength and that the work that we do together, um, can be meaningful.
0: As someone who's lived in mostly urban areas for most of my life. Um, it seems like the like connection to the land is a little harder to come by than maybe someone who lives in a more rural area. Um, how do you think that people who live in urban areas can like feel connected to the land.
1: Mm. I mean, well, it's all around us. I think you just have to, to recognize things on a more micro scale. Right. So, I mean, it's very easy when you come into an open landscape to appreciate it. Um, but even when you're walking down your neighborhood or on an urban street, like yesterday I was walking, um, to go meet up with my husband somewhere and I walked under this beautiful yellow tree and, and there was just, you know, this three seconds where, and of course I live in a place where the, the, the leaves turn color. I, yeah. by that. Um, I walked under it for these three seconds. I was just in this glow of a tree and it's little moments of gratitude like that, um, mm-hmm. where you realize that you are, um, you're part of this world really. Uh, and, those natural elements of it, um, are just as much a part of our existence as the things that we build. Um, it's your garden, it's your street trees, it's the feeling of the air. Like when you go out in the morning, this time of year is really special for us in, um, in this part of the world because the air changes, you know, it goes from summer to fall and you can feel it and like the taste in your mouth. Um, and mm-hmm. I think just making all of those small recognitions and, and being thankful for them is a really way to be a really great way to feel connected and rooted in the land.
0: Yeah. I think for me, I've been fortunate to live near various bodies of water over the years. And currently I live, uh, like a few blocks away from Lake Michigan. So Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, I love to like go for runs or walks by there and it is like a sort of like feel a little bit removed from the city life for a minute and just like reflect on the fact that like, wow, here's this amazing body of water that I get to like be next to. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. Water is so amazing for that. Yeah. And we've been even thinking, I mean, we have the most beautiful river here in Fredericton called the St. John river. Um, and in fact, the indigenous people that lived um, and still live in this area you know, and have for ten thousand years they call themselves the people of the beautiful river wow. and when you when you go by the river, it just gives this level of peace, right like you can feel I'm sure you feel the same when you go by the lake, and I used to when I ran by Lake Ontario and Toronto mm-hmm. you know it's this level of permanence um, and change at the same time um because there's so much happening in it, but it can just bring you you back to this point where you know that everybody can appreciate that water the same way that you can. So I don't know if I'm making any sense. I'm probably, probably, yeah, like a little bit on the mystic side right now, but that's where I'm at. (laughs) I like it,
0: yeah. So what kind of um, work have you been doing lately uh, in projects for places we love?
1: Uh, For a while, I've been... um, Helping with the Incremental Development Alliance, which is uh, sort of an offshoot of the Strong Towns movement, right? It's people that um, were saying, okay, well, we, we know that we need to build productive places. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so how do we do that? What is the actual physical steps of doing that? Um and so they're training small developers. And what I've been doing is helping them uh largely with knowledge translation. So similar to, you know, the Strong Towns videos of how do we take all of this complex information and make it more approachable to someone who is brand new? um, That's what
0: I've been doing with them uh, for the most part. Has that been in the form of videos or like trainings or something else?
1: Uh, Right now, most of it is, um, uh, there's a lot of analysis and synthesis that's happening. Um, and most of it would be written or, um, uh, kind of coaching how to reframe a message or how to redesign a slideshow so that it's the the message is getting across in clear pieces
0: cool um.